fantasy football today from CBS Sports. Here we go. Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Today podcast. I've got good news and bad news for you guys. The bad news should be apparent by now. Steve Cummings, and I'm your host today. Jamie is out. Adam is out. We're to the third string host. The great news, though, is that I have an award-winning podcaster here with me. Oh, thank you very much, Heath. But this award I'm sharing with you. Hey, here, this is it. Yeah, that that's that's gonna play really well. Adam's gonna be super happy. Well, with this look, you can't see the award. No, you You're can't see. It. Dave is but holding here. The actual I'm award. holding it. What does it say, Dave? 2018 Winner FSTA Awards Best Podcast Presented to ESPN Fantasy Focus. No, Fantasy Football Today. I'm just messing around. Fantastic. Thank you, uh, FSTA. Thank you, listeners. Seriously, thank you to everybody involved. Uh, there, there are some actual legitimate judges that listen to the podcasts, and this isn't just a thing that you know someone throws a dart and they clearly they didn't listen it. to this podcast. No, they didn't listen thank, to this. Thank one. goodness, but. We've, we've been nominated for awards for years. I remember like the first time, the second time we got nominated. Oh, this is so cool. Well, by the ninth or tenth time you're nominated and you don't win, you feel like Susan Lucci a little bit and you wonder when it's ever going to happen. I, I love Susan Lucci. Well, everybody's got their own acquired Fan, taste. Fantastic actress. I, I, uh, I, I'm excited that we won this. It's, it's the, uh, it's proof that hard work does pay off. And this isn't the only award. That was earned by CBS Sports in the past True. week. We won. We won. Adam won Best Podcast Host, which he absolutely deserves. He worked so hard on this podcast. And Jamie won Best Analyst, which he absolutely deserves because the guy barely sleeps, for crying out loud. And he just... We all put our heart into this. Congratulations to both of them. And now I don't feel as bad when I'm a jerk to either of them on the podcast. No, because they're award winners They're award now. winners. I can be a jerk. Coming up on the rest of the show, we've got news and notes, including Larry Fitzgerald is back. Larry. Larry. Yeah. We're going to break down our first 2019 non-PPR mock draft. We might talk about Pro Bowl DFS. Dave says we're going to riff on players for 2019. When you used that word, someone responded with a definition of the word riff. Yeah. And thought you were using it wrong. So maybe we'll talk about that as well. Mm. And then we will maybe just, uh, the riffs are going to come from the tweets. Cause we're so not doing no any emails. emails because everybody that's sending us emails and we love your emails and please continue sending your emails is sending us keeper emails. And we like to answer your keeper emails, but we don't like to answer nothing but keeper emails. So we've got some tweets of players to talk about. Before we do any of that, Dave, there is someone you want who is outside of the top 50 overall, way outside of the top 50 overall. There who, is. Who do you want? I, uh, so the process on 2019 has already begun. This is part of what makes us an award winning podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know why I did that with my voice. I just kind of azered that, I guess. Uh, and I found a guy that I'm already ready to draft. Who isn't going to be a top four round top? He may not be a top one hundred pick. By the time I'm done with him, he probably won't be. I like the outlook for D.D. Westbrook, who didn't play amazing, but I think he was Jacksonville's 
most effective receiver by the time the season ended, played in the slot. Uh, almost 90% of his routes run were in the slot. The new offensive coordinator in Jacksonville is John Filippo. You can think about what he did as the slot, with his slot receivers in Philadelphia two years ago and in Minnesota this past year. Adam Thielen had a great start to the season. And I think Westbrook is in line to kind of capitalize on that. And we also expect there to be a quarterback change. We know the offense is going to change. We know that Filippo likes to put the ball in the air. I'm, I'm getting the sense that D.D. Westbrook will have a shot at 100 targets. I think he can catch well over 60 of them. And I think he's going to be a good bench receiver with some upside to finish the year maybe as a top 30 guy. And he went in the double-digit rounds in both of our mock drafts to begin the 2019 campaign. Yeah, I really think he should probably be like an eighth or ninth round pick. I agree with you completely. I think he's the most talented wide receiver in Jacksonville. They're going to have a better quarterback. They're going to have a better offense, in my opinion. I love the D.D. Westbrook love. The player I want, I drafted in our most recent mock draft, and that's Hunter Henry. I love the fact that he was able to get back recovered enough. He didn't do anything in the playoffs, but where he could at least make an appearance in the playoffs, that gives me very little concern for his 2019 outlook. And if you look at Henry, he just turned 24 years old. Seems like he's been around forever. Just just turned 24 for a tight end that in two seasons has a 16-game pace of 45 catches, 583 yards, and seven touchdowns. And that's with one of those years Antonio Gates actually still being a football player. So I, I really think the sky is the limit for Henry to possibly become even a top four tight end. I, I would see no problem with expecting more out of Hunter Henry next year than Eric Ebron. 70% catch rate through his first two years in the National Football League. And we are always, this, it's going to be something we talk about. I don't think it's going to be every single podcast, but many podcasts for the next six, seven months, tight ends that we can find that are going to give us some great value on draft day. And he should be one of them. I think people are still going to be thrown off by how he started the 2017 season where there were weeks where he wasn't even targeted and we're wondering what the heck's going on with the Chargers and you know did he did he do something wrong to make Philip Rivers upset why isn't he a regular part in the offense I do get a little worried about there being too many mouths to feed in that offense but he should be one of the consistent factors he's a very good very versatile player Well and what I think we'll see because in the years past and I talked about this a lot coming into the year the Chargers have been one of the most tight end heavy pass offenses in the league. This year they had Virgil Green and 75-year-old Antonio Gates. And so they threw a lot of those passes to Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. We saw their running back targets go through the roof compared to years past. And I just wonder if that was solely because they didn't have a talented tight end or if it was a shift in offensive philosophy. I'm betting more on the former Let's get into the news and notes. There's some very, very important things happening in the NFL. Larry Fitzgerald is back. And Dave, when this first happened, I felt like you had a little kind of a lukewarm reaction to it because this is a we expect this new paced offense to be fast paced and they get need fast receivers and they've got to get separation and get guys open. They're giving him eleven million dollars a year per field Yates plus incentives. Everything I've read is the Cardinals really wanted Larry Fitzgerald to come back, and obviously if they're paying him this much, they did. Do you think they have big plans for him in 2019? Look, they're going to put him on the field, and let's just begin with what we know about Cliff Kingsbury and whether or not it's necessarily going to translate to the NFL. He loves putting the ball in the air, um, spread formations, five wide receivers, no tight ends. It's typically been how he operated uh, at 
Texas Tech. A lot of shorter passes, right? Lots of short passes, but a lot of the receivers that were very functional in that offense were short and speedy. Think Christian Kirk. Who and Kirk isn't even close to like being considered among the fastest receivers in the NFL, but he's probably well, he's probably the second fastest guy among the Cardinals receivers. And Larry Fitzgerald is most definitely the slowest, but he's got great hands, and I would imagine that they will find a way to utilize him in those four receiver, five receiver sets. I, I think he'll have a year very close to what he just gave you. Hopefully a little bit better, but I don't think that's too like I'm excited that Larry's back and I'm excited that he's probably going to be a huge value on draft day. We'll find out. He certainly was in our most recent mock draft. Where are you nobody thought he was going to play? Sure. Where are you comfortable taking him now that you know that he's going to play? He is coming off a year where he caught sixty nine of hundred and twelve targets. I don't know I don't know how many of them were uncatchable, but I'm sure a decent a amount were because that seems like a low catch rate for Larry Fitz. Seven hundred and thirty four yards, that's ten point six yards per clip. Six touchdowns, and he didn't score his first one until he played Denver in mid-October. Things got better as the year went on for him, especially when Leftwich took over as the offensive coordinator. Yep. And I would expect, like, they they just hired a new staff. That staff wanted Larry Fitzgerald. I would expect he's going to lead the team in targets again. And so I would be fine with him in a PPR league in the fifth or sixth round. You're getting him. Oh, yeah. You're getting him I, in the I fifth have, or sixth round in a PPR league. I have ever since I started a CBS. I don't. <laughs> That's the rule I, of CBS drafts. I'm not convinced that they're not going to do everything they can to try and bring in more threats to make that passing game more dangerous. The problem with Arizona is that they need so many things. And they just paid him $11 million. Yeah, like but, if you wanted you to know, bring in a good receiver, you could pay them eleven million dollars. I know, but you you know as well as anybody that just because a guy gets a ton of money doesn't mean that it equates to um, a huge role, fantasy success. I, I remember that that was part of the argument for Deion Lewis. Look at what the Titans but are Larry paying Fitzgerald's him to bring him in. legitimately one of the top five receivers. He's of all also time. he's also like Mister Cardinal. You know, yes. they they definitely paid to make sure that he came back and didn't question why he was coming back. I don't think he's coming back to win a ring. I don't think the Cardinals are going to be in that frame of mind. So maybe some of that money is going to, you know, hey, Larry, we know that you may not love to come back here, but it's glad that we're glad that you want to play. You've been here for a long time. Here's a really nice contract. That's most of the news, but we'll cover a couple other items. Bruce Allen said he's optimistic about Alex Smith. I'm not personally feeling that optimism currently. Well, I mean, you see the pictures of him in that brace, and yeah. And I just, I wonder how they've got to draft someone else. They, they're spending, talk about spending money. He's going to take a ton of salary cap over the next couple of years. If they can go get a quarterback with a draft pick, that would be great, but they're going to just have a hole in their salary cap for two years if he's not going to be their quarterback. It does, and this is, uh, conflicting reports. It sounded like Cole Beasley was possibly on his way out of Dallas. Well, him. yeah. You saw the, the tweet that he wrote out. Right. Saying the front office pushes who they want to get the ball to. I haven't been a huge priority in that regard. Maybe that will change, but I'm not sure. More balls come my way in the two-minute drill where nothing is planned. How about that is an interesting statement. Nothing's planned in the two-minute drill. And I went and looked, Heath. 20 of his 87 targets last year came in the last two minutes of games. I think that tells you more about Dak. Dak is a very, in my opinion, a very conservative quarterback. If plays aren't being designed to push the ball down the field, Dak's security blanket is, let's just get it out of my hand and dump it off. 
The Cowboys design plays to go down the field because they know that Dak's not going to instinctively do that on his own. So then Cole Beasley went back on Twitter and said, some are misunderstanding my point. This is a quote. Every team's game plan in pro sports is dictated by the front office, which I don't believe that's true. I don't. Yeah. I don't think Nick Casario is casting the die for the Patriots. Do you think Super Andy Reid has some front office person telling him how to run the Chiefs? Yeah. Offense? Les Snead probably isn't the one behind Sean McVay's success in L.A., uh, big free agent additions, high draft picks, et cetera, are going to get the most opportunities. Now that maybe can happen. And he's not mad at that. He just wants to help his team win. And, uh, doesn't mean he's gone. Now I'm not quoting him. Now I'm just reading what he said. Here's a, I'll go back to quoting him. I'll play anywhere where I can make more of an impact. I would love for that to be Dallas or anywhere else that will give me more pops to make an impact. I think he meant to say ops instead of pops. I would say he gone. And now you start thinking about where he could fit in. He's not that good. Are you sure? I I am. Look, for fantasy purposes, I don't think I'm going to rush out and get Cole Beasley even in round 12. I mean, if he he lands in a place where there's no other slot receiver, sure. Well, Adam Humphrey's had a pretty good role for fantasy owners this past uh, November slash December. (laughs) He had a good six, good four or five weeks. Cole Beasley. We were living in the Humphrey zone for a little while. Cole Beasley had a good four or five weeks a couple years ago. He did. I just don't, I, I think Cole Beasley would like to touch the football more. I don't think a good football team is going to give him that opportunity. Uh, John Gruden wants to resign Jared Cook, but knows that will be difficult. Unsure if Marshawn Lynch is coming back. And we may talk more about the future of the Raiders running back situation. We, we kind of hope Marshawn just retires. I think so. I, I think so. Um, how about he was trying to light a certain type of cigarette on the Al Davis torch? Okay. On the last game. I thought that was interesting and might, if he comes back, that could stir up a suspension. It's possible. Maybe. Yeah. He admitted to it. Yeah. I, uh, I think, I think he's gone. It would okay. be the end of an era without beast mode, but we've been there before. I think you should read the next news note. The athletics Jeff Zrebeck expects the Ravens to cut Michael Crabtree. Uh, if I remember reading correctly, he is a $7 million saving on the yep. salary cap if they designate him as a June 1st cut. He's, there, there's he, no he reason. He can be that. replaced. He can be replaced. Oh, yes. I mean, maybe Cole Beasley. Mm, I don't know if that's the best replacement <laughs> for him <laughs> in Baltimore, but the Ravens definitely need some, some they, more sizzle at wide receiver. I, I think the Ravens need speed. I still think John Brown should be a good fit with Lamar Jackson. It was not the case last year. Mm. But if you, I don't expect that they are going to do anything significantly different than what they did with Jackson. I mean, I think some of the schemes may be different, but I expect a very run-heavy approach. And if you're going to do that and keep the defense with all 11 eyes on the backfield, I want guys that can get behind the defense when that happens and get several yards of separation so Lamar doesn't have to have pinpoint accuracy. And Crabtree doesn't really do that anymore. He does offer a nice set of hands and decent size, but certainly doesn't have the speed that he wants. Maybe he can go to Dallas and reunite with Amari Cooper and steal all of his touchdowns. Dak might like that. I'd hate it, but Dak would like I would hate it. So we did a non-PPR mock draft a couple of weeks ago. We're going to go over this draft a little bit different than we have in the past. We're not going to read through every single pick of every round. If you want that, you can go to cbssports.com and read. Jamie wrote that up, didn't he? He did. And read Jamie's breakdown. But we are going to go over our teams and then some interesting picks. I've got some questions for Dave about his team. 
Dave has Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback, Saquon Barkley and Jordan Howard at running back. Very solid start. Mm. Mike Evans and Robert Woods at wide receiver. Zach Ertz at tight end. Tevin Coleman is his flex wherever he's going to be playing. The Bears and Harrison Butker. Dave's bench, Kareem Hunt, Ito Smith, Robbie Anderson. You stole him from me. Right, ah. right in front of me. I was so mad about that pick. Curtis Samuel. Chris Herndon and Dallas Goddard. And the very first thing I hope everyone who just heard all those names, I know it's hard to remember all the names I say, but I said Zach Ertz, I said Chris Herndon, and I said Dallas Goddard. Dave, you have three tight ends. And I didn't intend to handcuff Goddard to Ertz by any stretch. I got to thinking, and it was in the middle of this draft where, first of all, these are the worst drafts to do. Because it's, it's January. It's January, and the type of depth that you're looking at at running back and in round 10 and wide receiver in round 12 just makes you want to puke all over your shoes. It's brutal, and it, it changes when you add a whole rookie class into the mix, and it pushes down the guys that you were taking around 10, round 11. Now those are the late-round picks. It's a much better experience. This experience stunk, but I got to thinking, well, if there's no running backs that I really like, and there's no wide receivers that I really like, and tight end is a position where we're always looking for the next great one. Why not spend late picks to try and find that sneaky tight end? And, and I kind of did this last year. I mentioned taking two tight ends. And this time I went a little haywire and I took three. And you know what? In an, in an inconsequential mock draft, I actually don't hate it. And I think to myself about doing this in August and September. And what's the difference between spending that late round pick speculating on a tight end who could be a hot waiver wire grab? or speculating on a running back or a wide receiver that could be the exact same thing. Or even worse, taking a running back or a wide receiver that's been around the block in the NFL. Think back to taking uh, uh, Alan Hearns was a popular pick during the preseason that people were taking late. There were a bunch of other guys that you could look at, a uh, late-round pick. Maybe Devontae Booker was someone that you drafted late, someone that just ended up being waiver-wire fodder. Why not do it with a tight end if that's going to be the position where you can get the advantage on your opponent's uh, who are just streaming guys and hoping to get six or seven points per week out of whoever they grab off waivers. I do want to just go through a couple of names who went in the round directly after Chris Herman was taken. You took him at the well, end of round eight. Yep. And, and I really didn't feel like there was anybody left who I was uh, you took passionate e about. You took Ito Smith in the ninth. I wasted my ninth round pick. We'll talk about that in a minute. Matt Breida went in the ninth round. Austin Eckler, Ronald Jones, Rashad Penny, Adam Humphreys, Emmanuel Sanders, and Jamal Williams. There are a couple of running backs in there that you can certainly make the case for over Chris Herndon. But I do know this. He he was pretty good with Sam Darnold. Agreed. Adam Gase, now in charge in New York. And I'm not sure if we did this draft before or after Gase was signed. I'm just going to make the case for it anyway. Are you drafting to trade? Am I drafting to trade? Because you have Zach Ertz. Sure. You're not going to start Chris Herndon at flex. If Chris Herndon or Dallas Goddard end up Starting the year red hot, yes, there's a trade that can be made, or I can use them in the flex. And I think it's going to be easier to find takers for a tight end in trade than it would be for a quarterback. And it's been that way. Oh, I think for, that's for definitely true. Yes. My second question, and I don't know the answer to this question. This is not inflammatory. Is Ben Roethlisberger a top 12 quarterback? if James Washington replaces Antonio Brown? And I feel like that we did this mock draft so long ago that the Antonio Brown thing, like the, the, the idea that he could end up being traded wasn't as serious as it is now. For sure, for sure. It was not a criticism of the pick. I just, sure. I don't, 
I don't I am think Ben offended. is. I'm going to throw this trophy at you. I think it would be kind of fun if you did, but I'm pretty sure I'd catch it. Let's find out. No, let's not. Uh, by the way, this trophy isn't nearly as heavy as I thought it'd be. Here, I'm going to pass it to you, Heath. Now, you, please do not throw. It I'm at going me. to hold it just because it does me. have sharp edges. It's got a star at the top, and I love it that when you turn it on the star, it's blue. Yeah, I don't know if Cole Beasley okay. likes it though. Is Ben no. Roethlisberger a top twelve quarterback? Is, is he a top twelve quarterback without Antonio Brown and without the Steelers making a big ad at wide receiver? I think you can answer no to that. I think there's going to be a lot of um, hesitation. And not only are you taking Antonio Brown away from him, now you're taking away Le'Veon Bell. James Conner was okay as a pass catcher. He had some good games there, but he he's not nearly as dynamic as Le'Veon was. James Washington could be the replacement for Antonio Brown. I don't think he's as good as Antonio Brown. I don't think that's saying much. I don't think he's got the potential uh, to be even 70% of what A.B. has been. So, yeah, I think Roethlisberger is absolutely in a bad spot and. Someone that fantasy owners can probably take out of their top 12 list. Who was your favorite pick on this team? Is it, is it, is it dumb to say Saquon because he was my number two overall choice? I mean, I, I love him. He's now my number one overall running back. So no, I don't think it's getting dumb. him at number two. Uh, it's, it's, I, I felt like I had a solid draft. I don't feel like I had an amazing draft. I don't think I would take Jordan Howard again. That's what I was going now to ask next was who's now your biggest regret? Yeah. Uh, there's talk that Kareem Hunt could end up in Chicago. We could go on a Kareem Hunt tangent if you want. But I, I, it certainly sounds like Jordan Howard could be on the outs. And I that thought Tariq you Cohen knew. won't step up into a big role. And Jordan Howard could land on his feet somewhere else and be a lead back for a team. Uh, you know, he does have some positive qualities about him. He's certainly young. He's got a lot of tread on the tire, but he's not dynamic. And that's where the running back position is going. I thought you were just handcuffing Kareem Hunt to Jordan Howard. No, not at all. Because there's no guarantee that Kareem Hunt will end up in Chicago. Here's the question on Kareem Hunt. Are we sure he's as good as he was in Kansas City in that offense? Not at all. Not at all. And I I I really would not like him if he's going to miss the first, I think, minimum six games of the season. Sure. And when he comes back, he's going to share with Tariq Cohen. If that's, if that's what happens. Yeah, I'm out. And if that, if that, if that ends up being the case, then Jordan Howard's not going to go anywhere. The Bears will keep. Howard and Cohen, and then they'll mix in Kareem Hunt, and then you've got a three-headed smorgasbord of fantasy football headaches. There's not enough leave on the planet to help you get over that. Let's get to my team. I've got Patrick Mahomes at quarterback, Dalvin Cook, and Ezekiel Elliott at running back. Need I go on? I, I just want to stop there. Mahomes, I, Cook, and Zeke. I love my team. You now, started with those three, so you went two running backs and a quarterback. S- snips. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Cooks and Cooper Cup are currently my starting wide receivers. Hunter Henry, we talked about him earlier. He's my tight end. I've got DJ Moore currently in the flex. Vikings defense, Greg Zerline, you don't care. My bench is awful. Jay Ajayi, Josh Adams, Quincy Anunwa, Larry Fitzgerald, who I think I took in the last round of the draft, Zay Jones, and Anthony Miller. Now, I did start running back, running back quarterback, and that led me to later in the draft... Having some concern over my wide receivers, and that's why I have four wide receivers on my bench and only four running backs on my roster. That makes you really nervous, doesn't it? It does. Um, but look, I can't get past the diamonds that you took in the first three picks. Um, Mahomes, Cook, and Elliott. I don't, you almost don't care who else you got on the team. And it makes me feel a little small because my first three picks were Saquon, Zach Ertz, and Mike Evans. 
And those three guys are good. That's a solid start. But it doesn't have the the game, the, the league-winning potential, I would say, of a Mahomes, Cook, and Elliott, in, not in that order, in reverse of that order, if I recall, right? Zeke was first, then Cook. You took Cook in front of me. Yep. And then Patrick Mahomes to start round three. I'm a little envious. That's a great start. And and when you get off to a great start like that on draft day, you almost can just be a little more carefree with your picks. Well, and I don't feel like I don't have DJ Moore is not a good flex yet, but I don't really feel like I have a problem at wide receiver when I have Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup, DJ Moore, Quincy Anunwa, Larry Fitzgerald, Zay Jones, and Anthony Miller. I will have two good. If wide anything, receivers. you've got too many question marks that you're going to have to get settled, but you've got the. You've got the two spots taken care of. Brandon Cooks should be fine. Cooper Cup should be fine. Uh, any concerns about having two receivers from the same team? Or is Brandon Cooks just going to get moved again like he does every I, offseason? Well, it's not, Brandon Cooks is going to go play for somebody else and go to the uh, playoffs for sure and maybe to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this his third Super Bowl? He's back-to-back. Second Super Bowl. I believe it's his second. But I don't it, think he was... I don't think he's... How many players have gone to back-to-back Super Bowls on different, different teams? Different teams, very few. I can't think of one. I I can't remember. I'm certain that it happened. Yes. Uh, My favorite pick I cheated was Larry Fitzgerald because I got him in round 15. Who's your second favorite? My second favorite pick. Was it Mahomes in the third round? Could it possibly be that? I don't think it is. I still feel kind of icky about that. You know, I think I'm buying into that. I think if I can get Mahomes in early third, I'm taking it. I, I did here. I'm not saying I won't do it again. It doesn't make me feel good. Tell me why. Because you're missing out on the value of the position later on? Well, no, because I think you're missing it. Like, I could have taken Andrew Luck two rounds later. When and I who took, could you have taken in round three? When I took Brandon Cooks. Okay. So, who could you have taken in round three? Do you have that in front of you? Yeah, I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. So let's say that I had, and you, it, your favorite wide receiver of this group could be different, but the pick immediately after Patrick Mahomes was A.J. Green. So if so I had Andrew had Luck, AJ Green and Andrew Luck, or Patrick Mahomes and Patrick Cooks. Mahomes and Cooks, yeah, I get that. I understand why you why you'd feel that way, and I, I think it comes down to just understanding what you're expecting from Mahomes. And I, I think five thousand yards and fifty touchdowns is going to be too much, but forty eight hundred yards, forty five touchdowns, forty two touchdowns total. I, I actually I think I take that back. There. I could have had Andrew Luck, Brandon Cooks, and AJ Green because I took Cup in the fifth round. So it's and do you, well. Do you think Cup. Cooks would have made it back to you? Cooks was in the fourth. Oh, I'm sorry. So I you could replace Cup with AJ Green and Mahomes with Andrew Luck. That's pretty and damn. I good. like that a lot better. That's pretty damn good. We'd be praising my team. I'd be dancing on the table. So maybe this is a strategy that you've figured out to go if you're drafting. To not early, take a quarterback in the third round, or to take the quarterback <laughs> in the third round. It could be one or the other. It depends on how you feel. What could I call it about Patrick Holmes? Late round quarterback. For what? My, my strategy. Don't take a quarterback early. Well, no, I think, I think you've just made, you've laid out two plans for taking a quarterback early. Uh, one with Mahomes and one for Andrew Luck. Mahomes was not my biggest regret. My biggest regret by far looking at this roster, Josh Adams in round nine feels like a complete waste of a pick. And I'm not sure that he's even going to be a top two back on his own team. Unless he's on a different team, which. Maybe possibly kind of sort of could deal, happen. Right? Well, you never know. If they're not happy with him, they cut him. They're, it's not going to hurt them at all if they do anything. Yeah, I like don't that. think he's going to be a starting running back. Let's look at everyone else's picks. We've got some interesting picks. Uh, Jamie in round one had a gift fall in his lap. 
I feel like Christian McCaffrey fell to the seventh pick overall to Jamie behind David Johnson and Melvin Gordon. It is non-PPR. Do we really feel that much different about Christian McCaffrey's value in non-PPR now than we do PPR with the workload he got last year? Well, I, I think to a very, very small degree, but not to this level where he's should go seventh overall. He's going to be a top five pick in every draft. And we will get to the rest of the interesting picks in just a moment. But first, Dave has a very important message for you. If you're looking to go to a game, concert, comedy, or theater, do you want to save 10 bucks on the first purchase? Do it with SeatGeek. Download the SeatGeek app right now and use the promo code FFT. You'll get $10 off your first purchase with that code FFT. And buying tickets online, it can be complicated. It's tough to find great deals. But this is where SeatGeek comes in. They make the process so much easier. They save you time. They save you money. They do the searching for you. They go to multiple ticket sites. They pull in all the tickets that are available. And then they grade each ticket based on value. So you'll be able to quickly see which seats fit your budget. Here's another great thing about SeatGeek. Every purchase is fully guaranteed. I've used SeatGeek to go to Miami Hurricanes basketball games. Yeah, that's right. You thought Miami Hurricanes were just all about college football? Well, we've got a basketball team, too. They're terrible, but I'm still supporting the team, and I use SeatGeek to go to the games. Download the SeatGeek app, find your tickets, use the promo code FFT for 10 bucks off your first purchase. That's promo code FFT. SeatGeek. Life's an event. We have the tickets. Now, you may have wondered how I got Dalvin Cook so late in this draft. The most interesting pick in round two, I thought, a big part of the reason why Aaron Jones went 20th overall ahead of Dalvin Cook. Mm-hmm. Is there any universe in which you are making that selection? No. No. Like, what do we can't do it? What, what is the, uh, I guess, does Aaron Jones have second round upside? I think he does. He's just far less likely to hit it than Dalvin Cook. I, I think that they're probably within five spots of each other in the rankings, but I think you'd feel much more comfortable taking Cook than you would uh, Aaron Jones. Jones, I think, is still going to end up losing some carries to somebody else. I don't know if Dalvin's necessarily going to be in that boat. The, uh, right. there, there's injury concerns with Dalvin Cook. There's injury concerns with Aaron Jones. Jones didn't finish the season. Jones healthy. did have, and this is, I, I don't know if I realize this, in 12 games this year, 934 yards and nine touchdowns. It's pretty dang good. That's like, if but you that's just why, look at the pace. but that's why he's only five or so spots behind Dalvin Cook. I do like that there is a new coaching staff in Green Bay. So there, there is a real opportunity for Aaron Jones to be the featured guy there. I think he's, he's going to be probably, I, I think 20th overall. That's where he went. Yes. That's too soon. It needs to be but, a third round pick. Yeah. But I'm thinking like right around maybe 29th overall. You're on the clock. You have pick 27. Aaron Jones and Patrick Mahomes are there. Who were my first two picks? You have a running back and a wide receiver. <laughs> I make this as difficult as possible. No, that, it's fine. Um, I think you can make the case for, for getting the running back there, knowing that that position will dry up sooner than quarterback. But it's tough. And what you're giving up a quarterback is you're taking a guy who's got you know, what the numbers I just told you, 4,800 yards, 42 touchdowns, and hoping to land somebody that's got close to the same type of yardage, 4,500 yards, and maybe closer to 36, 37 touchdowns in round five, or you just wait till later. 
But the pressure's off on taking a quarterback. Running back, you will you will feel it. And getting Aaron Jones to just lock up that second RB spot, I think it's worth it. Uh, in the third round, Keenan Allen went 32nd overall. And it is non-PPR, but it still felt a little bit late to me. He went behind both Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. I just don't know. And we talked about the new offense in Minnesota. They are going to be extremely run heavy. Mm-hmm. I am concerned for both Thielen and Diggs, especially if neither of them emerges as a full season, the clear number one in that offense, because we've seen it basically every year. One of them's the number one for about half the year, and one of the, the other one's the number one for the other half of the year. As long as that happens, neither of them are a number one. They're both going to be top 50 picks, but I don't think they're top 25 picks. Whereas I think Keenan Allen can sneak into that top 25, certainly in PPR, but also in non-PPR. I think he can get there, too. So that those were very big surprises. Eric Ebron went 43rd overall. He was the fourth tight end. No other tight ends taken in the top 50. Gronk went 15 spots behind Ebron. I'm conflicted. Because I was excited about Ebron coming into this year. He obviously had a great year with Andrew Luck. Jack Doyle's probably going to be back next year. Eric Ebron's not going to score touchdowns at the same rate that he did in 2018. Right? You can I don't know how far he's going to regress, but he is certainly going to regress. And it's interesting if you look at his career, 2016. In just 13 games with the Lions, he caught 61 passes for 711 yards. He was an enormous bust, Dave, because he scored one touchdown. Mm -hmm. Last year, he caught five more passes for 39 more yards in three more games. And he was a massive success because he scored 13 touchdowns. Which is kind of the nature of the beast at tight end once you get past the guys that are featured components of the offense. And you would think a guy that scores 13 touchdowns is going to be a featured component of the offense, and he wasn't. He didn't play every single snap for the Colts. And that was even after Jack Doyle got hurt toward the end of the year. I think you saw him a little bit more on the field. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I, I agree with you. I think that there could be some significant regression in that touchdown number, but would it, would it really surprise you if he finished with eight touchdowns? No, I think seven would probably be my guess. If I was going to put an over under, it might be seven and a half. And what, what about the yardage? What, what would you put as the over under for that? Six fifty. Okay. Assuming Jack Doyle plays 16 games, is so what I'm assuming. I, I, would, I would say 650, so he loses 100 yards from last year. So 650 yards, seven touchdowns. That it seems, I don't know, I guess that doesn't seem too far out of line. I think that's probably what you'd want to... I think if you're drafting Eric Ebron and that's the expectation for him, you'd be happy with it. But you're not taking him in the fourth round. That that's not a fourth round expectation. It's just not. Okay. You're not going to be able to get there. I think... You know, a comparison from this year would be he'd probably finish a little bit higher than where Trey Burton finished in a non-PPR league. Burton was sixth. If you can believe that, he was the sixth best fantasy so tight gross. end uh, when it was all said and done, eighth in PPR. I think he'd be a little bit better than that. I, I think if you're drafting him hoping that he can find seven or eight touchdowns and 650 yards, round seven, maybe even seven. late round six, yeah. just because he's a tight end. That's not too far from what I would expect from Hunter Henry. That's the Ebron neighborhood. And yeah, I, I think that that would be pretty fair for Henry, too. In the fifth round, Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen both went. Howard at 50th overall, Cohen at 59th. And non-PVR, are they really, are they both fifth round picks? Are they this close? No, I bet if we did the draft again, Cohen would go first, Howard would go second, and Howard would be at least one full round. 
behind Cohen. So you think Cohen ahead of Howard in non-PPR? I think it's going to be that way just because of... I think Tariq Cohen's going to be 180 touches in the Bears' offense. They're going to find ways to utilize him. I don't think they're going to overwork him for obvious reasons. He's a small guy. I think Jordan Howard's opportunities are very much up in the air to the point where when August rolls around, he might not even be a top 70 pick. He might be closer to the back of the draft. And if, if he falls people to that take spot, just I because, will probably be taking him. Well, it would definitely mean that his situation has changed. And I think that's what we're calling for here is that Jordan Howard won't be the primary back in Chicago in 2019. Or he may begin the year as the primary back, but odds are he won't stay there because of another person coming into the mix, whether it's Kareem Hunt or a rookie that the Bears draft. Who knows what they'll do. But there, I'm the one that took Jordan Howard at 50. And the other running backs I passed up, Lamar Miller uh, was available. Tariq Cohen, obviously, we talked about that. Mark Ingram, Kenyon Drake. There's just a whole Tevin lot of Coleman question marks. was there. James White was there. Yeah, there, there's just – these are the running backs that are going in round five and six in a mock draft in January. When we get to August, those running backs, a lot of them, will probably be going round seven, round or eight. Or four. <laughs> it's going to go one way or the other. It's possible. Yeah. It's possible for a couple of these guys, sure. Mark uh, Ingram lands in the right spot. He's a round four pick. In the Kevin sixth Coleman round, too. Jarvis Landry went 69th overall. Nice. Ahead of Alshon Jeffrey in non-PPR. Jarvis Landry was awful, awful, awful in Freddie Kitchen's offense. He had one spectacular game that was buoyed by a 40-yard rush touchdown. Other than that, he was abysmal. Is he? Are you, do you still feel comfortable with him in the sixth round no. and on PPR? I don't, I don't. I don't know if I feel comfortable with him in the sixth round and full PPR. I don't either. Eighty-one catches on one hundred and forty-nine targets. When you think about what he did in Miami, those numbers seem dreadful. He averaged twelve yards per catch. That's a plus. At least he was able to get more yards per grab with the uh, with the Browns than he did with the Dolphins. He had a bunch of catches for over twenty yards. And he scored four touchdowns. That number was something that I think we were expecting to rise as the number one guy in Cleveland. We talked about him during the preseason about someone who would move around and not necessarily stay in the slot, have an opportunity to break. You know, he had the one year, I think it was 2017, where he had so many touchdowns where he could maybe keep that going, maybe find the end zone seven, eight times. He couldn't do that. Cleveland's going to add to their receiving core. Landry's going to be a, a, he might end up being their slot guy. And a hell of a slot guy, but not one that's going to be worth taking with the top 65 pick in fantasy drafts, or in this case, 69. Yes. Gus Edwards and Alex Collins both went in the seventh round, which seems really weird. Gus both Edwards seems se- weird. 77th overall for Edwards, 82nd overall for Collins. I'm with you. I'm not sure Collins has a job going into next year. I, Gus Edwards, he might be worth a third round pick in non PPR if he's the guy. He won't be the only guy, though. Well, Kenneth Dixon will be there, I would guess. At the bare minimum, if the Ravens do nothing to their running back core this offseason, then it's going to be Edwards and Dixon. And I would imagine they will mix and match them to a point where we're going to be frustrated with the usage. Because I think Kenneth Dixon is a more talented running back than Gus Edwards, but they really like the way that Gus takes the ball and just goes forward. And Dixon definitely has a track record of injuries, which could... Obviously, that would keep Edwards ahead of Dixon on draft day. And it, it does provide a little bit of some upside with Edwards where if Dixon 
goes down with an injury, sprains an ankle, what have you. Well, Edwards will be the main guy, and he's back to getting 18-plus carries in a game. Given the right opponent and how that offensive line looks in Baltimore and with Lamar Jackson at quarterback running the ball, that could be pretty good. But his, I, I, I could talk myself into Gus Edwards in round seven in a non-PPR. Here. I think I'd go earlier. I, he, and I, I felt like I should have taken him in the seventh round. I took DJ Moore instead. Mm. His 16 game, but pace, you needed the receiver. Like I bet right. you were feeling the receiver. Uh, DJ Moore is my flex now. So Ed- Edwards could have been the flex. Um, his 16 game pace from his seven games as a starter, 279 carries, 1495 yards mm-hmm. and five touchdowns. The touchdowns weren't good. But I, yeah, I think if they don't do something big at running back, either Edwards or Dixon's going to be a huge value on draft day. Russell Wilson was the fifth quarterback off the board at 88th overall. I have no problem at all saying that Russell Wilson is a top five quarterback in terms of talent in the NFL or a top five quarterback with equal volume to everyone else. But do we expect that the Seahawks are going to throw the ball more? Do we expect the Seahawks to throw the ball more? Which I think is your way of asking a question that you would probably ask of Russell Wilson after you're like this every single time. Can he be as efficient as he was? Can well, he keep up that pace? He, that he, he cannot. Do you he, have what he... He had an 8.2% touchdown rate. Now, unsustainable. For his, it, mm-hmm. Completely. For his career, he's at six, which is out of this world good. So, like, if you want to say he's going to be better than everyone else and be at six and a half even, that's fine. But that's taking away five touchdowns from him, and he threw for 3,400 yards in 16 games. And his rushing contributions were probably among the smallest of his entire career. Yes, he ran the ball less than he has in the past and really just ran it when he had to. Now, he I, I say he ran it less. That's not technically true, I don't think. 67 rush attempts. Actually, yes, the very lowest. I thought in 2016 when he had the bad year and didn't run very much, mm-hmm. he, he ran it 72 times that year. So 67 rush attempts, the lowest number of his career. Zero rush touchdowns the first time in his career. I'd expect he runs for a touchdown or two next year, but he's 376 yards. That's not enough if you're only throwing for 3,400. So you can't count on Russell Wilson for rushing totals anymore, which, I mean, it's par for the course with running with with running quarterbacks, where when they're young, they'll do it. And as they grow into being better passers, they, they, they don't hit the gas that much. He was a top eight quarterback last year. He ranked top five in consistency, which is a plus. I, I would bet against him finishing as a top five fantasy quarterback as things stand now. Right. If this is the team that Antonio Brown goes to, I, you know, all bets I'd are be, off. I'd be upset changing. for Antonio Brown. Maybe, but it would also tell me that the Seahawks are going to try and, you know, join the rest of the 21st century National Football League and throw the ball quite a bit. Now this one actually seemed like a good value to me. Jared Cook, 100th overall as the 12th tight end off the board. We don't know for sure where Jared Cook's going to play. I would love it if you told me he was going to go go to New Orleans. They could use a tight end. But no matter where he plays, you're not paying a premium for the year that he just had at the 12th tight end off the board. I'd rather have him at 100 overall than I would Eric Ebron in the fourth round. I get that because value is playing just such a huge role there and you're you're getting a what you think is a bargain, and if it doesn't work out that way, so what? You cut him and you pick up somebody else. Uh, finishes a top five fantasy tight end regardless of format. Number five across the board. Non-PPR, half PPR, full PPR, 
top 10 in terms of consistency. When he was good, he was very good. He had a lot of games with double-digit fantasy point production in non-PPR. But when he was bad, holy gavolt, he was bad. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games with five fantasy points or fewer. That's that's terrible. And I, I think of those, there were one, two, three, six with three fantasy points or fewer. He also, though, had more catches and yards than Eric Ebron last year. Sure. Because he was a regular part of this offense. Now, let's just say he stays in Oakland. The Raiders are going to have to do something at wide receiver. They can't go into 2019 with Jordy Nelson and Brandon LaFell if he comes back and Marcel Aitman is They'll their probably as their sign top Dez. receiver. No, and I, I, they're they're probably going to draft a guy. They're probably going to sign a guy. Cole and Beasley. it's probably going to make Jared Cook. Um, it, it, he won't get the type of targets. Beasley is year. a perfect target for them because they don't want to hold the ball. They don't want to throw it more than five yards downfield. Be- that could be the one place Beasley could go. Would you say he's an upgrade over Seth Roberts? Uh, y- yeah. Yes. Yeah. Would you say that Adam Humphreys is a better slot receiver than Cole Beasley, or do you think that they're the same guy? I think that uh, Humphreys is a younger version, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think so. I'd rather I'd rather pay Adam Humphreys than Cole Beasley this offseason. La- the last pick, round 10, wasn't the last pick, the last pick we'll talk about, uh, Deontay Foreman at 109 overall. Do we still have hope? At 109 overall, you have hope. You'll, you, you draft him, and you hope that he can look like a powerful bull rusher uh, during the preseason. But that's really about it. I I don't know if it's a certainty that he will be a part of even a rotation in Houston. Texans are one of the teams. I, I've, I've got a short list of the teams that could use a running back in 2019. The teams I think will be after that position. Teams in the market for an RB1. That's Here's the list. I think Buffalo could be there. I think Baltimore, even with Gus Edwards and Kenneth Dixon and all the nice things that we said about those guys, I think they could be in there. I think Houston's on the list. Miami's on the list. The Jets have to be on the list. Oakland has to be on the list. Philadelphia, if they want to get out of this, you know, using one guy for a couple weeks or even a couple plays and then moving on to the next one. And Tampa Bay, even though Peyton Barber's a restricted free agent, it shouldn't cost very much to bring him back. And he kind of fits the mold, believe it or not, of the type of running back that Bruce Arians has, has leaned on. If you think back to his days in Pittsburgh with Richard Mendenhall and Arizona with Mendenhall and David Johnson. He likes the thicker backs. Peyton Barber can do that. I just don't think he's explosive enough. I think those are the teams that could look for a running back this offseason. We'll have Dave's new segment, Riffing on Players, in just a moment. But first, Dave has a new sponsor to tell you about. I do. It is Joybird. And you think Joybird, what, what, am I selling you birds? No, I'm talking about furniture. Joybird is leading a revolution in online furniture shopping. Check out Joybird. The next time you need furniture, Heath, I was told, go look at their website, find a piece of furniture that you would like to put in your house. And I did. And I found the Liam sofa. And it it looks like an old school sofa that you would find like in a speakeasy back in the day. And then I read the product description for it. And sure enough, an inviting bench seat, grand rolled arms and vintage diamond tufting blend together like the perfect cocktail in this modern twist on a classic. And I just think that that would look so cool in my living room, having that old-school type of look on a new type of couch. And that's what Joybird's doing. They're 
they're making it easy to find this furniture. It's different types of furniture. They've got sectionals that look really, really cool. Just check out Joybird the next time you want furniture. You need furniture. You got to have something to sit on when you're doing your fantasy draft. This is the place to go online. So now this is the best part. If you want a discount, you go to joybird.com slash FFT. Use the promo code FFT, 25% off your first order. That's quite a bit because furniture lot. isn't cheap. So 25% off is awesome. Joybird.com slash FFT. Promo code is FFT. And get this. Even podcast host award winner Adam Azer has bought furniture on Joybird. He bought an amazing chair. He loves it. It's comfortable. He feeds his baby on it. It looks great in his in his house. And he's going to be buying even more on Joybird going forward. Joybird has kid-friendly, pet-friendly upholstery options. You can get chairs, sofas, sectionals, tables, bedroom furniture. It's all there on Joybird.com. And if you don't like it, you can return it for a full refund. See how Joybird is revolutionizing online furniture shopping. Create the furniture that brings you joy today at Joybird.com slash FFT. Go to Joybird.com slash FFT and receive an exclusive offer for 25% off your first order by using the code FFT. Now it's time for riffing on players. I thought you were going to make like a sound effect there where you were making some like musical. Like get a, a whammy bar. That's not a riff. What's a riff? It's like if you're playing a guitar and you're just, and then you get a whammy Derek bar. Derek Lindgren goes, asks Darius Geis. That sounded like Pac-Man dying. Now I'm depressed. Darius Geis. Darius Geis is going to be a totally interesting wild card. Where did he go in our non-PPR mock draft, Keith? And before you answer that, I just want to tell you that I have seen video of him doing drills. I think it was at the Redskins facility. It seems like he can make a full recovery from the knee injury that he suffered in the preseason. And you notice that I didn't have Washington on the list of teams looking for an RB1. Oh, no. I think Chris Thompson is going to be, at best, a role player. If not on the outs, he could be a cap casualty. Adrian Peterson is a free agent. We'll see if Washington brings him back. Darius Geis could be that lead guy for Washington. There will be buzz about him. He is trending in the right direction. I fully expect he will be the lead guy for Washington. I'm terrified of that offense because I don't think Alex Smith's back, and I don't think they'll have the money to get a competent quarterback. He went in our mock draft in the— Middle of the fourth round, right behind Chris Carson and Carrion Johnson, right ahead of Jarek McKinnon and Jordan Howard. I don't think that's a bad spot for him. I would probably prefer him in the fifth until we get something encouraging about that offense. Would you like to hear a list of free agent quarterbacks that could make their way to Washington? Just quickly. You've got guys like Bridgewater, Tyrod Taylor, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Tyrod. I'd be okay with Tyrod. Josh Johnson could come back. I'm, Did it, he do a good enough yeah. job? And then there's cap casualties like Blake Bortles, who they could sign. No. Tannehill. Uh-uh. I don't think they're making a deal for Nick Foles. No. I don't think they're making a deal for Case Keenum. Maybe. Flacco, I think, could end up being... I think he could end up going to a team better than Washington. A.J. McCarron. He wouldn't have to move no way. if he went to Washington. Yeah, sure. If he went to Washington, then he can just, you know... Live in the same yeah. place. Okay. Yeah. Let's get, we got we to a few more names But the here. point is, is that I think Washington can find a way to have an acceptable quarterback so that it's not too big of a detriment on the run game. I would be more concerned about guys sharing carries with Adrian Peterson. I don't know what any of your names actually are. So I'm just going to butcher them. Derickler, Derichler asks about Derek Henry. And I think this is a really interesting one because there may not be a greater spread between a running backs floor 
and ceiling than there is with Derrick Henry. He showed us in the last month of the season what we'd been waiting to see for three years, that he could be one of the best running backs in the NFL. And I do believe that potential still exists. I also believe that if it's a bad circumstance, if this offense sputters out of the gate, he could be in big-time trouble. I can't wait to dig into the film. What I think I'm going to see with Derrick Henry is a more patient runner and maybe a better job of blocking for his style. I think it was a better job of design in that they didn't run him right into the center's back over and over. They actually sure. ran him outside a little bit. He can sure. do that. And I think that's something that they could very easily stick with, and the the power that he's got can give him... Uh, that's something that's going to make it hard on defenses to... to you know th- They can watch that film and they can say, okay, how do we stop this guy? And they're just going to say, we're going to have to just hit him as hard as we can, and he can take those types of hits. The real Halupka... Man, Bottom line is I think Derrick Henry is going to be a, a top 50 pick on draft day. Oh, I think he is too. The Real Halupka asks about Cortland Sutton, another offense that does scare me. Depending on who they get at quarterbacks, I expect them to add a quarterback. Cortland Sutton is the most physically gifted wide receiver on that roster. I don't think they bring in another wide receiver. I think they have three guys that can fill out a receiving core with Sutton and Hamilton and Patrick. And Sutton should be the best. But if they stick with their current system and their current quarterback, Hamilton may be the best in PPR. Yeah, I I could certainly see that being the case. And there was a lot to be left desired from Cortland Sutton when he had that opportunity to step up after the Demarius Thomas trade. He didn't really do it. He scored in two games. He didn't have over 100 yards in any game this season. And he caught 50% of his targets. So I I just wonder if there there is a, a possibility of him not delivering like you would expect him to. I There was a point last offseason where I thought he could be a very good receiver in the NFL. Now I'm thinking that he's going to be somebody who can contribute, and he will have some big weeks, but won't be a consistent mainstay. Yeah. Fantasy Football Jedi asks about Chris Warren for the Oakland Raiders. Spent the year on IR. We have heard some buzz that they would like for him to possibly be a feature back. I think he'll get the opportunity to earn a roster spot in OTAs and in training camp. It's just a matter of what they do at that position for the rest of the year. I, I, I don't think John Gruden is kicking back at the senior bowl in Mobile right now going, well, we're going to add players on defense and offensive line and wide receiver, but we're set at running back with Chris Warren. I don't think they're there yet. Warren was a fun running back to watch, uh, both in college and in the preseason. He's going to have to really earn his playing time. Yeah, I I hope Jalen Rashard gets more of an opportunity because I've always they got to bring him back. They got to bring him back, and I think they will. I I think the odds are long that it'll be a Warren Rashard tandem in Oakland in 2019. Yeah, they need somebody that's old. Maybe Lashawn McCoy gets cut, and they could sign Lashawn McCoy. I think I think a good fit for them would be Le'Veon. Well, yeah, they'd have, and they've got the capital to do it if they wanted to. Um, I I don't know if giving up a first round pick for Le'Veon Bell is still going to even be a thing at this point. I don't know how that's going to shake out, but I think Le'Veon Bell under John Gruden would actually be a good thing. Billy Smolin asks about a free agent tight end that could help the Saints. I already suggested Jared Cook. Do you have a different name? Jared Cook would be an interesting suggestion. Here are the free agent tight ends, everybody. Cook is the headliner. The next best, Tyler Eifert, CJ. So Uzama, Jesse James. So Jared Cook. Technically Antonio Gates. 
But I have an interesting cap casualty who could make a really big splash in New Orleans, provided that he stays healthy, and that's Jordan Reed. I wonder if Washington lets Jordan Reed go. They would save over $6 million in cap space if they do it. And then Jordan Reed could be a great fit in the the uh, black and gold of Nolens catching passes from Drew Brees. And I think they need they need somebody to fill that role for them. Yep. Um, we, we talked about it on Monday's podcast. There's a chance that Drew Brees' arm just might not be what it once was. And having short area targets would help him out quite a bit. we got two more to get through real quick so Adam doesn't yell at me for going too long. Robbie McLean asked, DJ Moore, sophomore slump or sophomore jump? And I think the easiest answer to that question is, how's Cam Newton's shoulder? If Cam Newton's not there, it's going to be a problem. Uh, they would have to go and, you know, we, we mentioned the list of quarterbacks that are available. They'd have to pick from that list to come in and give Carolina a year without Cam Newton. But for now, we're expecting Cam Newton to play. I think DJ Moore sees more targets. I think his catch rate can go up. I'm, I'm not optimistic about a thousand yards and seven touchdowns. He might be able to get one and not the other. If Cam Newton's 100%, I, I think he's one of the breakout stars of 2019. I'm just not sure Cam will be. Big Daddy NC5959 asks about Cooper Cup and Christian Kirk. He likes wide receivers with the CK initial. And I think both of these guys will be, I think both of these guys will click. I use a word that starts with a C and ends with a K. Cup's going to come back from the torn ACL. Hopefully it's not going to be an issue for him. And you know how he fits in with Jared Goff. I think Goff's a better quarterback when he's got Cooper Cup on the field. And I think Christian Kirk, for now, I think he's the leader in the clubhouse to be the best wide receiver in Arizona. And especially in an offense that should air it out quite a bit, a defense that's probably not going to be as good as it was last year, and they weren't great last year, so there's going to be a lot of point chasing in Arizona. Christian Kirk is someone that I think I might target in that round eight range. I don't know if he'll end up going there. He might go before then. And Cooper Cup, I'm I'm hoping for in round six. That's going to do it for the Fantasy Football Today podcast. And guess what? The next time we do this podcast, you will have an award-winning host instead of me and Dave. We're with me and Dave, actually. Why not? We'll, we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Na 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 na. Wait, wait. Guitar riff. Na 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 na.